Hey everyone, welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Just a quick note before today's episode. This summer, we're completing our series of introduction videos with our final season of filming, and we still need to raise about $30,000 to cover those costs, and we would love you to help us with that. And you can do that by visiting the Spoken Gospel website and clicking on Donate. And by doing that, you can contribute to bringing books like the Book of Revelation to life. And whether that's through a one-time gift or a monthly donation, your support makes all the difference in the world. So thank you so much and enjoy today's podcast. Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel is a ministry that's dedicated to speaking the gospel out of every corner of scripture. In Luke 24, Jesus told his disciples that every part of the Bible was about him. So each week, hosts David and Seth work through a passage of scripture to see how it's all about Jesus and his good news. Let's jump in. Well, welcome everyone to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are in Obadiah. Seth, how are you feeling about that? I'm fine. <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> fine. Well, what's great about Obadiah, it's the shortest book in the Old Testament. Yes. The 21 verses. 21 verses. You don't even have to say chapter one verse. You, you don't. Whatever. Yeah, it's a, it's weird. I, somebody, I was caught off guard by that the other day. It's like Obadiah 18. And you're like, 18. And that's the whole verse. It's just because it's the verse. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's a really short book of the Bible. This will probably be the only podcast episode we do on it unless we just get real lost. Re- or real focused. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? But uh, why should we care about the book of Ob- Obadiah? It's not a book of the Bible I've really spent any time in. This is yeah. the first time I've, I've ever studied it. Why should I want to study it? Yeah. So the high point of the book of Obadiah is verse 15, and it says, For the day of the Lord is near upon all nations. So this is an indictment against these prideful nations that have set themselves up against Israel. And if I was to answer your question of like, why should we care about Obadiah? Well, apparently there's a day of the Lord coming against the nations of the world. And we need to know like (laughs) how to survive that day and like that it's coming, who's involved in it, why they're falling and what hope we have Mm -hmm. if we are part of these prideful nations that are described here. Yeah, and I think as we talk about Jesus too, as the day of the Lord comes against Edom, we're supposed to see the day of the Lord that's coming against, um, I think Edom and Adam are really similar mm-hmm. sounding words, I think in yes. English, but also in Hebrew. So as the day of, as God confronts the evil of Edom, he's also gonna confront the evil within the mankind, yes. the sons and daughters of Adam. Right, but you have, you have jumped the gun because no one knows who Edom is or what Edom oh, is. Oh, I have jumped yeah. the gun. So they're Edom. like, Edom, cool. Edom. I care so much. Wow. No, but uh, you need to know. Yeah. Uh, so Obadiah is a really unique book um, in the whole Bible and especially in the Minor Prophets because it's talking about the long-term feud that has been brewing between two nations, Israel and Edom. They're which, also known by two other names. Yes, which goes all the way back to Genesis and two brothers who are Jacob and Esau. Yes. And this is Jacob and Esau, Jacob 25, Jacob 25. Jacob 25. <laughs> Genesis 25. Is that apocryphal literature? It's a, yeah, it's the book, the Genesis <laughs> that Seth likes to read. Uh, this is 2530. It says, he said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. This is Esau talking. I'm uh-huh. famished. And that's also why it's called Edom. And Edom just means red. Red. So he wanted, he saw some red stew and wanted it. So they named him after and it. So, and then a whole nation was named after <laughs> their forefather's love of the color red. <laughs> it's also kind of sad that their whole nation was named after a pot of stew. A pot of stew that ended up losing them the birthright that Esau had. Because the story here is really important. It's that Jacob um, was the second born. They were twins. Jacob and Esau were twins. But Jacob came out second. And um, in Israelite culture in that time, they would have always given the birthright, the right of inheritance to the father's fortune to the firstborn, who Does was that mean Esau. The secondborn did not get anything? No, they would get a lesser portion. Okay. So yeah. normally, I would assume I haven't had to dole out the, my inheritance to my children, but it was like yeah. 35, 33, 33, 33. Right. Even. Even. That's the way I would assume you would do it. No. Yeah, they're going to get the, and, and honestly, uh, it depends on the family, and it also depends on the 
epoch of the Bible we're talking about. So like ancient Near Eastern times of Genesis mm-hmm. are different than maybe the situation surrounding the prodigal son in the New okay. Testament. But um, even sometimes it would be the birthright goes to the son, the firstborn, mm-hmm. and then it's the job of the secondborn to go find a job, get a new land, start a new inheritance mm-hmm. for their kids. So the firstborn takes over the father's estate. That's right. The secondborn is expected to begin a new estate. Mm-hmm. and Or live off of the estate of his older brother. Okay. Yeah. And so it's a big deal. I mean, the firstborn, it was a huge deal. We just don't have a lot of modern, modern mm-hmm. analogs for that. Interesting. And so uh, that's his birthright. It's his. It's his given birthright right. to take over the family line. The the, the, the closest calls. the closest thing we have is like a family business. Yeah, and totally. The, the firstborn is going to be the new CEO. That's right. And then all of a sudden, the secondborn gets it. What? Right. That's and what's crazy is in the story is Esau just sells his birthright to Jacob, his younger brother, because he's on the edge of starvation uh, after being out working all day, and he sells his birthright for a bowl of stew, red stew, red. Stew. Eat them, stew. Eat them, stew. <laughs> Eat them uh, up. Yeah. And then, and then the story progresses again. Jacob had tricked his brother out of his birthright with the stew. And now Jacob, which kind of also means tricker. tricker yeah, you trickster. Know, trickster. Uh, then tricks his blind dad, Isaac, out of the, his blessing. So it was the father's right to bless his firstborn son. It was the firstborn son right to receive the blessing of his father. So he he then, you know, famously dresses up like Esau by putting a bunch of hair on, mm-hmm. going in, serving his dad his favorite meal, and then he gets Isaac to bless him, the younger brother, instead of Esau, the older brother, there thereby securing the uh, coup attempt that the stew, you know, Yes. Foreshadowed. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. And so what happened then was Esau gets furious with his little brother, Jacob, and vows to kill him. And this guy is the the hardcore, like, he, he's a man. You know, oh, Esau. He's Esau the, is a he's man. He's the hunter. He's, he's the, the one hunter. going out. He's got so much hair on his arm. His brother has to strap a hide yeah, to exactly. his skin. <laughs> and so Jacob, at his mom's advice, runs away and uh, Esau is like seeking to kill him. Um, now there's some reconciliation that happens at the end of this story in in Genesis, where you know they kind of each have done okay for themselves and they end up kind of patching things mm-hmm. up. But as you know, the the cards have been dealt. Jacob takes over his father's estate in Canaan, mm-hmm. uh, which was promised to him by his uh, by his God Yahweh. Yep. Yahweh said that he would give. Um, Abraham, and then Abraham's son Isaac, and then Isaac's son Jacob, this land of Canaan. Uh, and so Esau, having worked himself out of that covenant, that promise, that mm-hmm. land allotment, he goes and settles in a new land, and it's called Edom. Red. Land red. of... Land yeah. of it's, it's like just, Oklahoma. Well, it's just, oh, the Red, our, our, the red River. Red, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, and we, we have red dirt here in Oklahoma. It's crazy. Yeah. I was telling Eric about that, how it's just like, if you look satellite image over Oklahoma... yeah. The, it's red. It's red. It's, it's it's weird. We have this red clay dirt. It's really strange. And so, uh, yeah. So yeah. basically, we live in Edom. We live in Edom. Makes so, sense. Yeah. So Edom, just so you can kind of get it in your head, you know, you have Israel and uh, to Israel's east border is the Jordan River. And over there as well, it, on like the southeast side is the Dead Sea. And mm-hmm. that's like where I've been there and you can like just lay in it and it's float crazy. and the salt I, holds you up. I've done the same thing. Super cool. I also got salt in my eyes. Yeah, you're not supposed to do that. And then I had to stare at the sun to what? get it out. That, what? that was what everybody said to do. Like, just look at the, open your eyes towards the sun and it'll evaporate the water. And I was like 13 at the time and I couldn't do it because the sun was also blinding me. Yeah. It was, it was a, ter- <laughs> it was a terrible, I don't, I do not enjoy the memories that I have of the Dead oh, Sea. Oh, I had a very good time. <laughs> Uh, anyway, anyway. <laughs> uh, and so Edom is on the other side of the Dead Sea, so kind of like east of Israel and a little bit south, mm-hmm. and there's Edom. Yeah. And throughout Israel's history, and, and you, you should know, Jacob's name was changed to Israel, just as Esau's name was changed to Edom. Yeah, and they end up becoming the, those are the nations. nations. Those, those are the, are the nations. nations. Nations yeah. of Edom, the four, whose forefather was Esau, right. the nation of Israel, whose forefather was Jacob. Yes, and their sibling rivalry just continues throughout the decades and the generations yeah. over the, and over again. They continue to fight and wage war against each other. The next time you hear about it is the book of numbers. In, oh yes. Uh, numbers uh, 20 with Balaam. Um, before oh, that, oh, oh, they try to enter the land. They try to enter. The, they right. try to enter into 
to the land of Edom and walk around part of the wilderness. Yeah, they're trying to sh- get a shortcut and also safe passage. Right. So they're like, then, oh, brother, Edom's place. Right. But Edom refuses to grant them passage. Yeah, and they even like offered, like, if we eat anything, we'll pay for it. We won't yeah. touch any of your water or your grapes. And they're like, no, stay out or we'll come kill you. Yep. So like, not a, a, a warm welcome. And I went, and I don't know when precisely Obadiah was written. So we'll get there. Because there's part of the story where Edom's is complicit in like the Babylonian captivity. Yeah, we'll get there. Okay, we'll get right. there. So, uh, so yeah, then in Numbers, then Balaam, after they've been denied passage, Balaam then prophesies that Israel will conquer Edom. Mm. So it's like, oh, okay, we're getting some foreshadowing there. Yeah. Of that one, this battle will continue. They're not just going to be amicable neighbors. Yeah. Apparently, sibling rivalry will continue through the ages. Yes. Uh, and then, um, like Saul. In Kings or in, in Samuel goes mm-hmm. and attacks him. That's right. Uh, David conquers them. Uh, Solomon puts them to forced labor to build ships. Uh, and then throughout the Second Kings narrative of, of all the different kings and everything, um, Edom has a couple rebellions and they rebel against Israel and they end up shaking off Israel's king as ruler over them. Um, and that takes us basically all the way through the end of Israel's reign. And um, all that's a confirmation of what um, um, their father blessed Esau oh, with, yes, right? So yes. whenever they, he uh, he said this, the older two nations are in your womb, Rebecca, yeah. and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger, which mm-hmm. is, in all of history, that's the way it's been ending up, whether by slavery or otherwise. Edom has been serving yep, Israel. That's right. Until... Toward the end, the like the sunset period of Israel's first dynasty, which is at the end of Second Kings, uh, right after like the Assyrian Revolution took over the northern kingdom, and then the incoming threat of the Babylonians from the north were going to take over Israel's southern kingdom, where Jerusalem and the temple um, are. All that weakened infrastructure in Israel ended up making it to where they couldn't hold as tight of a grip on their neighbors, mm-hmm. right? And right. that included Edom. Mm-hmm. And so Edom, through a rebellion, was able to shake off in the reign of Joash, Israel's kingdom over them. And so Edom became a an self, independent. an independent nation, but really they were a vassal to Babylon. Okay. And they were before that, they were a vassal to Assyria. And so they've always been on the side of Israel's enemies. They're like, oh, here comes these big guys with big sticks. Let's join their gang and go beat up our younger brother. (laughs) Is that that what happened? They joined in the fighting? They joined in, yeah. And so, so, yeah. I mean, that's pretty, I mean, that's a pretty like, I mean, so Babylon and Assyria are the big bad guys near the end of the Bible's history. And to have Edom join them, Esau's descendants join them, is a is an indictment against them. It proves oh, yeah. the type of character of the leaders of this nation. Totally. It would be yeah. like if if Luke and Leia Skywalker had a falling out and mm. Leia went and joined the Empire. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not yes. it's not cool. Right. It's not cool. And so um so then as you were saying, we, we don't know based on the, like the the book of Obadiah doesn't tell us when it's mm-hmm. written, so we have to go off of internal cues. Mm-hmm. And it seems like uh, Israel has been ransacked in a really massive way, so much so that Edom could just come in and like pick out the leftovers that were that were just strewn about by the right. Babylonians. And it and seems so, that they had a hand in making Israel as desolated. That's as right. It was. That's okay. right. And we don't have none of the other rebellions of um, of Edom mm-hmm. that are we do have chronicled. Mm-hmm. Um, match that okay like and so it seems like this is right after israel fell or during the siege of israel by the babylonians okay so this is like maybe around the time of jeremiah maybe a little after something like that and so you have a destroyed israel who was judged by god for their sin their temple's been destroyed their people are dispossessed all this kind of terrible things like all the goods of the temple are being taken out uh, into Nebuchadnezzar's palace in Babylon in Babylon and you have Edom not only were they fighting for the empire you know uh, now they are like vultures coming in and picking over the land and like like they're like vulturizing their younger yeah. brother's corpse it's disgusting got it yeah so that's helpful yeah so whenever you come to Obadiah in your weekly reading, you're going you're gonna to see this. Thus says the Lord God concerning Edom. And the reason we spent so much time 
talking about Edom, Jacob, Esau, all the way back in Genesis is if you don't understand at least the sibling rivalry that is recorded and maybe have some category for the Babylonian invasion and Edom's role in uh, oppressing Israel, Mm -hmm. you're not going to understand why we need the book of Obadiah at all. The reason we need a book of Obadiah is because there's been sibling rivalry and it's led to the destitution, the devastation of Israel, and the younger brother is harming the older brother. Uh, the, the older brother's harming the younger brother. Yes, older yes. brother's harming the younger and brother. And to put a really fine theological point on that, I think this is really important. God, you quoted it, God said that the older would serve the younger. Mm-hmm. The younger brother was going to be the ruler. Jacob was going to be the ruler, and yet it seems like God's a liar. So at this point, so it has been true throughout history yes. that Edom has served Israel. That's right. But all of a sudden, things have been reversed. That's and right. God's promise back in Genesis 25 mm-hmm. seems to be no longer coming true. That's right. And worse still, if that covenant is broken, if Jacob is no longer in the blessing, that the birthright that he received from his father Isaac, mm-hmm. well, Isaac received the same blessing from his father Abraham. And what's mm-hmm. that blessing that Abraham received? It's the covenant of God that to all m- the world would be blessed through Israel, through Abraham's descendants. So the whole hope and the whole like salvation project of God is tied up in the nation of Israel. And if Edom is winning out over Israel, then it seems like the chosen line of God has been destroyed, has been completely destroyed. And that very importantly takes us all the way back to Genesis 3. Because in Genesis 3, we're introduced to this line. And it's very important to understanding what's on the line in Obadiah. Because you have this line from Eve, Mm -hmm. and we're promised that after the fall, Eve would have a great, 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 great grandson or something like that that would end up crushing the head of the serpent's seed. So both, you have two kingdoms. You'd have the, you had God's chosen kingdom birthed by Eve, and you'd have the kingdoms, the prideful nations of the world birthed by the serpent, the spiritual power of the serpent. They'd be evil, wicked, prideful kingdoms. But one day, Eve's descendant would crush the head of the serpent's descendant. Yeah. And that line, that promised line was Abraham and then Isaac and then mm-hmm. Jacob and then the nation of Israel. And now it seems like the snake is winning. Right. And that's bad news. It look yeah, so the the promise was like he you will bruise he will bruise your heel yes. and but you will crush his head. That's right. So right now it looks like it's the other way around. It yes. looks like the seed of the serpent has crushed the head of Israel. Crushed the head of Israel and they can't even mount a defense. That's right. So how could God take the defeat of a nation and turn it into a bruising? Mm-hmm. Which is like, how can they, like, Israel has been crushed. Right, but, but the, yeah, but like, is that just a bruised heel? How could that Their be? Their temple's destroyed. Their how people could that are just be a bruise? How's that just a bruise? Right. It's death. How is that a bruise? Yeah. And so the people are confused, right? Rightfully yeah. so. Their whole national heritage and identity as who they are, what God said is being compromised. Uh, by their neighbors. Maybe Mm -hmm. God chose wrong. Mm -hmm. Maybe Esau was actually the promised son. Maybe we disrupted the national, the natural order of things by letting the younger rule, you know, like I've read the story of Genesis. Jacob wasn't the nicest guy, you know, like maybe we got it wrong. Maybe we're on the wrong side of history here. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's it's really interesting. Everything they might be thinking. It is interesting. And then we add another, so we have history. So history, that's the history. That's the history behind the words Edom and Israel (laughs) and covenant and Genesis. But you also have not just theological things in the line, the seed of the woman and the Mm -hmm. seed of the serpent battling it out behind the scenes, but you also just have the pride Mm. of Edom. So that's one of the things that I picked up on as I was reading through Obadiah. Over and over again, the prophet Obadiah is calling out the pride of Edom. In verse three, the pride of your heart has deceived you, you who lie in the clefts of the rock in your lofty dwelling. And the reason he says that is because Edom, all their big cities were in the mountains, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. There was this huge mountain range over there and they would build their homes in the clefts of the rock. And so like they literally lived inside of strongholds that were really hard to get to. And so they felt unassailable. Yeah. So it's funny, it's like their sense of pride it was like it was, was well grounded. It was well grounded, <laughs> and it was just like they had visual representations of how proud they were. Yeah, it's like no one can touch us. Not even Israel's God. We live in the mountains. So you have these really proud people oppressing mm-hmm. oppressing the Israelites, and it seems like no one's holding them accountable. That's right. Yeah, they, uh, the text also says they feel like eagles, just soaring above everything, mm-hmm. and no one, you know, no nothing can tether them to the earth. 
So yep. we have all that going on. We have a prideful nation that is taking advantage of a weaker nation. And we have centuries yes. of animosity between brothers and a covenant on the line. Yeah. So that's why Obadiah is in your Bibles. <laughs> Okay, so we've got this prideful nation of Edom, which descended from Esau, and they, in their pride, blinded by their pride, are overlooking what they know the covenant between Israel and God is. They're overlooking it. Do they, they care? I, I don't know if they care, but it's part of their story, you know? And so that's the problem. I mean, if they care, right. if they don't care, yeah, they're they're proud. Yeah. They're like, those stories don't matter to us. you know. Right. Well, which was the whole thing that started the whole mess. Edom didn't care about his birthright. That's right. He doesn't care about the covenant. He doesn't care about the covenant. He doesn't care about the blessing. And in fact, if I can just, I don't want to make a big deal out of it, yeah. honestly, because it's above my pay grade. But Obadiah, um, in a literary form, yeah. is, is a covenant lawsuit. Okay. So it's written like a covenant lawsuit. So like, you might think of it like if you and I have a contract between us mm-hmm. and I infringe that contract you might take me to court and your attorney would write a statement of all the ways I infringed on the contract and what the penalties for that infringement should be based on the language that was in the contract. So that's what Obadiah is written as is Hmm. Esau, Edom, you have infringed on the covenant between God and his people by trying to conquer her and you know that you were not chosen. So stop it. (laughs) That's so fascinating. Like a a nation that has not has excluded itself from God's covenant said, I don't actually want any part of God's covenant who refuses to su- submit itself to God's like mm-hmm. laws or whatever is still being held accountable yes. by it, by virtue of being included in the family right. of Jacob and Esau. Right. Which that's really interesting. Yeah. Which let's bring this back up. Cause that's a really important thing yeah. you just said. Um, which is w- the same thing is true with all humanity. You, you said like, like Esau mm. is, involved in the covenant, even though the covenant wasn't made with him by nature of being in the family. Well, like we're all from Adam and Eve. We're all in the family of humanity, which is why the central play on words in Obadiah is the word Edom, which is insanely close to the word Adam, which means mankind. Yeah. And so the whole point here is that Edom is a stand in for all nations, which that's what the language changes to in verse 15. It changes from Edom to nations. And if you were just reading this as a covenant lawsuit, you would be like, on what grounds are you saying that since David broke our contract between Mm -hmm. Seth and I, that our buddy Eric broke it too? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. And he's like, it does. If you remember that we're all a part of the family, Mm. like we all came from Adam and therefore created by God and under his covenant laws. Yeah. It would be more something closer to like, bankruptcy and inheritance like we mm. mentioned this already like if you inherit like if your mom goes bankrupt like they can come to you as part of the family yes, to help right. pay your mother's debts yes and you would feel a sense of obligation as a son yeah um and you would feel a sense of obligation as a son mm-hmm. to fix that there pro- there's, i don't think there's a legal obligation in that sense i don't know but I think there maybe it's the other way around. Anyway, yeah. I'm trying to think of a parallel. But yeah, that's but helpful. Yeah. And it's like, but if if my mom went bankrupt, and so they came to me for half of it, it'd be really weird if they came after you for the other half. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like, in what way am well, I inculcated in this bankruptcy <laughs> suit? Yeah. Yes. Exactly. And so the po- point is like, no, no, no. Even though you have abdicated yourself from the covenant, chosen to not be a part of it, <laughs> you're you're still you, you can't escape. The covenants God makes with family, the family of the earth. Yes. And you're part of the earth. That's right. And so when we th- start to think about ourselves, we should just have that in the back of our minds. God has made a covenant with humanity, yes. Adam and Eve, mm-hmm. humanity. And even if we abdicate ourselves from like, no, no, I'm not part of that covenant. I reject God's laws. I'm going to pridefully go live in the mountains. I'm going to just go live in the mountains <laughs> and do my own thing. It's like, well, you could do that, <laughs> but it doesn't really get you off the hook right. because you're still culpable for your father's bankruptcy. That's right. You still need it to, to handle this situation. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. And so as we're, I mean, that might be helpful, a helpful bridge to meditate on then. Because like we're, what we're saying is that we think what Obadiah is trying to do, one, he's obviously addressing an immediate historical situation, right? Yeah. Edom has been proud. They have broken the covenant. They have mistreated their younger brother. They have been pillaging them and teaming up with the empire. Bad, bad Edom. Here's what's going to happen. Justice needs to come. Verse 10. 
because of the violence done to your brother Jacob, uh, shame shall cover you and you shall be cut off forever. Again, this goes back to the Garden of Eden in both lines. Mm -hmm. Both punishments come from the Garden of Eden. Shame was the first thing that happened to Adam and Eve whenever they ate the fruit and realized they were naked. They were covered in shame. Uh, and then the second thing was they were cut off from God mm-hmm. when they were kicked out of the garden. So yep. he's saying you will never be in the Garden of Eden. You'll never be part of Israel. Like mm. this is extremely harsh language. Um, and so this is... And I think cut off is also used in a lot of covenant ceremonies, right? Correct. You cut a covenant with somebody, you make a covenant with somebody. Yeah, and it's then... This, this word right here. Yes, and then the punishment also for covenant breaking is that you would be cut off from the people. And so that's what's happening here is is he's saying like way back when I started this covenant, the punishments that were detailed in it was if you do X, you will be cut off from the people of Israel. Hmm. So that's what he's saying here. He's like, you're not even a brother anymore. Hmm. You are cut off. You maybe, maybe they used to pride themselves in being distantly related to, you know, Right to Israel, it's like like a maybe like a brother of like Michael Jordan would be like, oh, yeah. I'm Michael Jordan's brother. Yeah, I'm always a little jealous. Yeah, and kind of feel like my accomplishments get overlooked, and maybe that leads to some pride in my life. But you know, I like to flex every now and then. I'm Michael but, Jordan's brother. Right. You know, that's I mean, maybe yeah, that's yeah. what's happening. You know, this is historical speculation, but uh, but anyway, kind of speculation. Yeah, historical speculation is the best kind of speculation. Like the zombie fiction of like Abraham and zombies, like pride, prejudice, and zombies. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so funny. It's, it's what we're doing. This, 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 this is this is the literature we actually study. Uh, and so the point I was making was, yes, Obadiah is addressing a real historical situation here, and Edom will come to ruins. And we actually have archaeological evidence that soon after, I think it was the 7th century BC, soon after all this happened, um, there is just no more land mm-hmm. of Seir, which is where Edom where was. It's just gone. And like, there's no archaeological evidence past this point of Edom's destruction. So like, it came true. God desolated Edom and the Edomites were no more. So like, it happened. So we don't need the, so this has nothing to do with us. Right, right. right. (laughs) So the point I'm making then is finally as I close that chapter is going, uh, but then he turns it around and says, nations, Adam, yeah, right. this All is verse, man. verse 15. So for the day of the Lord is near. And he just said the day of the Lord's coming against Edom specifically. Some, yeah, so that yeah. we expect more Edom for the day of the Lord is near Edom. But he says is near upon all the nations. Right. As you have done it, it shall be done to you. Your deed shall return on your own head. Yeah. In the same way that Edom's pride curved back on itself. And they experienced the same thing they punished Israel with. All the nations will have the pride that they dispense curve background on them that's right and this is a continuation of the covenant lawsuit based on the lex talionis principle which is eye for an eye tooth tooth for for tooth tooth. yeah so the covenant said eye for eye tooth for tooth the measure that you you know Mm -hmm. you know you've you've harmed others will be harmed against you basically and so god is now extending that principle called the lex talionis principle to all nations so he's going to hold all people accountable for the things that they've done, mm, you know? Right. And so, yeah. So we, just because we're not part of this story genealogically, right. and though some, Even some, though the, some listening might be, you know. The historical story has ended with the destruction of Edom. That's right. Yep. Even though that's true, the, 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 the threat, the warning against or to the nations uh, mm. extends to us today. Yeah. We are, I would definitely say that at least where we're sitting in our red dirt of Oklahoma, mm-hmm. we definitely live among a prideful nation. Yeah. <laughs> and the warning is like, God has already dealt with Edom. Mm-hmm. He will deal with you. That's right. Like if you are a prideful nation, if you're a part of a prideful nation, you can expect it to fall by the same pride it dispenses out. Yeah. There's another more critical theory of when this book was written. I don't agree with it, but it is interesting to make this point. Yeah. Which is it was written after the destruction of Edom. Okay. As a as a, to to explain why Edom was destroyed. Mm. Kind of post hoc. Right, right, right. And to say Edom was destroyed because they broke God's covenant. Let's let's say all that. Mm-hmm. And now Israel's still in exile, so they want to take the force mm-hmm. of Edom's destruction right. and turn it against all other nations that are currently oppressing. persecuting them and, right. yeah, and oppressing them. And so like, watch out all nations. And I think it's the same point you're making is mm-hmm. God proves that he holds nations accountable by the destruction of Edom. Mm-hmm. Therefore, everyone else needs to watch out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
fascinating. So then we're under the same warning then. That's right. right? All that we're implicated in family the covenant God made with Adam mm-hmm. and as a member of Adam relative of Edom, yep. like I am held responsible for the same co- covenant responsibilities that Adam was. Yes. And my nation is as well. Can, uh, can I talk about that too? Sure. Because this is one thing we talked about, it, I think in the Joel podcast, how mm. it's difficult to separate ourselves from Israel. And like, yes. I conflate myself with Israel too fast or like whatever. Can we talk about like the difference between like an individual and the nation here? Uh, Be- an individual in Israel or any nation? Yeah, both. Okay. Because like Obadiah was clearly an Israelite, yes, a faithful Israelite right. among faithless Israelites, and he's condemned along with his Israel's in tatters, even though he's faithful, right? And among the nations, there are some Yahweh fears. Rahab was one mm-hmm, of them. Mm-hmm. Like you have examples of them, and like I would like to think I'm a faithful American. While at the same time saying that America is a proud nation and that I should expect God's judgment to come against it. Mm-hmm. How does like yeah. that work itself out? And yeah. how should I think about those categories as I read something like Obadiah? Totally. Can a boat sink and one person survive with a life jacket? Yes. Okay. So like <laughs> if the boat is a nation... Mm-hmm. And an individual was on the boat that sank, but he's still saved. Yeah. Like, that's just a helpful way to think about it. Like, yeah. yes, you had to go through the calamity of the boat sinking, mm-hmm. but you still got a life jacket. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, like, that's mm-hmm. the, like, there, God sees, I mean, it's it's really interesting. Sometimes it seems like God talks out of both sides of his mouth, if I can say that rever- reverently, because mm-hmm. I don't mean that he's contradicting right. himself. Yeah. What I mean is that he says, like, he holds people accountable from generation to generation to generation, mm-hmm. right? But then he also says in the law that the, a son sh- will not be punished for his father's sins. Right. Which is it? Yeah. What's well, both? Will I be actually held legally responsible before the eyes of God for the sins of my earthly father? No. Mm-hmm. But in any way that my father, you know, failed like we all do, mm-hmm. you know, do I do I suffer some of the consequences of that? Yes, just like he suffered the consequences yeah. of the way his father failed, and you suffered the consequences of the way your father failed. Right. Yet we're not held responsible for their sins. They mm-hmm. each have their own right. relationship with God. And so I, I think, like, America, like, yeah. is America a holy nation? No. Yeah. I would use a more emphatic word, but we're a family show. No. Uh, <laughs> Are we? Yes, we're. Have you listened <laughs> to our Hosea podcast? <laughs> uh, no, we're not a holy set apart. We're not Israel. Nation. We're not Israel. Yeah. And even Israel wasn't true Israel, you know, yeah. we're told. Like, um, and so, but are there holy people in America? Yes. One day might God like judge the nation of America like he judged Rome mm-hmm. and judge Babylon and judge right. Israel? Yes. Maybe. I'm not a harbinger of doom. I'm not a prophet. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. But I'm saying maybe. Will that mean that there's no Christians here? By no means, just like right. Obadiah mm-hmm. was a faithful individual in the midst of a crumbling empire. Um, I think that God holds people responsible for their sins and holds nations responsible for their sins, right. but we don't need to conflate the two. Yeah, and just because, and then I think that the tricky part of that, so even if I'm experiencing the downfall of my nation yeah. and all the serious economic, like social, yes. financial consequences of that, that's not God punishing me in particular, but being complicit in the nation that I'm a member of. Right. And I think that's what gets kind of confusing. It's like if God was going to judge America, when, put as starkly as it is here, yeah. Edom just gets raised to the ground. Yes. There was no good Edomites at all. Right. Well, it's like We don't know that. Right. And so because the point isn't every single person in that nation was just utterly destroyed. No, it's what they were doing as a nation. Mm-hmm. Like we understand America does things. Nike and Americans uses sweatshops. Things. Right. Does that mean everyone who bought wears a Nike product? Is that is that closer? I don't know cuz that that's just a that then that's like the We'll that, keep with nations. The, the, the morals we'll, of yeah. the, we'll the keep economic with system. Keep with nations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, it's like I think like America does things, right? Yeah. Depending on who the president is, he's the leader of the armed forces. He might declare a drone strike on a civilian population. That's evil. Mm-hmm. Evil. Yeah. We can agree on that. Yeah. That's evil. Yeah. You should not drop drone strikes on c- civilians. But it happens. Yeah. Does that mean I did that? 
Absolutely not as an American. I hate that. Mm-hmm. And I can hold up my righteous anger and be seen as righteous mm-hmm. in the eyes of God, though I am part of a wicked nation in that moment yeah. who did wicked things and might be judged for that wicked thing. I'm still righteous inside of that wicked nation. Yeah. But when the evil returns on its own head and yeah. then we get a drone sti- strike on us, on us, we are, yeah, we get caught up in the punishment of the nations we live in. Yeah. Even though it might not be an individual attack. Is this directed towards the leaders of Edom more so than the people? It's, we, we actually don't know. It's, it's, there's not language here that is focused on the leaders. Um, when, you would especially, assume kind you, of you as would a assume, prophet, like yes. as that regal kind of role of prophet. Yeah, like. uh, I think they've called Obadiah a temple prophet, okay. which they said is an untenable office that has no historical grounding. So <laughs> who said it then? <laughs> uh, Mick Kaminsky brought it up, but like anyway, uh, anyway, it's funny. Um, <laughs> that's really funny. Um, and so yeah, but maybe it could be the leaders. Um, but like you know, the people who seem to be doing the worst things just seem to be like a rabble mm-hmm. of vultures who are just yeah. like coming down to Israel and like joining the fight, maybe members of the armed forces or people coming in after it's been devastated and picking over, you know, the, yeah. the empty houses. Like um, it doesn't really matter yeah. who, what matters is yes, as a nation, Edom has done wrong mm-hmm. through their leadership, through the, the, um, the, the majority of the population decided to rebel. Yeah. You know, it's, maybe it was a people's rebellion. Yeah. It doesn't or, matter. Or like even just the, the classic line, like evil succeeds when good men do nothing. Or right. even just the sil- the general silence of people who yep. don't really want to do anything with it. I think that's, hel- thanks for indulging me in this. Because no, yeah, yeah. I think like the idea of like corporate responsibility, especially as a nation, is just something pretty foreign to me. Same. And, um, I want to like try to process that more, especially because so much of the language within scripture and especially the minor prophets as we go through them is national. Is national. You have national, like a national identity is judged for something a pocket of the nationality does, not all of them, right. but everybody's implicated in that. And I guess part of the reason Obadiah is written is that those that are faithful to the Lord would rise up and mm-hmm. they would call out and they would pray and they would do justice when their neighbors are doing injustice. Like yes. That's part of the point, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. He okay. doesn't have a call to repentance, mm-hmm. which is kind of strange for a prophet. Yeah. Uh, Cause he's just a harbinger of doom <laughs> <laughs> and hope. We're about to get to hope. Yeah. Don't worry. But yes. Um, so that's all. Inter- okay. Let's stop here. Okay. Let's stop here for a second and let's talk about the gospel. Because we've 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 unpacked a ton, and there's a lot of loose threads that I want to pick up before we go to the end, which is just going to open up okay. more themes we haven't even touched yet. Mm-hmm. So we've got the like the promise line, the Jacob and Esau rivalry. Where's that taking us? You know, mm-hmm. the, is the threat of God's blessing for the world to, through Israel? Uh, done away with in mm-hmm. Israel's destruction and Edom's involvement in it. Yeah. Um, that question kind of lingers throughout the uh, rest of the Old Testament and mm-hmm. in the intertestamental period between there's, Malachi and Matthew. There's a promise at the end of Obadiah, which we'll get to, which seems to hint at that that promise will be restored. Yes. But historically... They were still waiting. And um, many different people tried to be that restorative arm to be like, I am a descendant of Jacob, or I am a descendant of King David, right? Mm-hmm. Um, let's rebuild Israel. Let's re-kickstart God's covenant uh, program, and let's be a blessing to all nations, right? Yeah. Uh, famously, Zerubbabel in Ezra and Nehemiah mm-hmm. was a descendant of David who rebuilt the temple, and nothing happened. You know, like, right. that's kind of what we're talking about here. And then, like, there were, there were like, think about the Maccabeans, you know, the Maccabean I rebellion. Don't about them often. You don't think about them often? <laughs> I do every, not. Every Hanukkah, you think <laughs> about them. Hanukkah. Um, you know, the Maccabeans, like they were these amazing, faithful Jewish men mm-hmm. who retook the temple, you know, after it had been mm-hmm. uh, like captured yeah. and like held up in there for eight eight nights, right? Yeah, and that's why eight there's uh, eight, eight, eight candles days, in the menorah. Eight, eight candles in the menorah. And it's like, were they the restoration? No. And like, I think all of them were these pointing forwards, you know, mm-hmm. these things that pointed forward to. Um, someone who would put an end to evil, proud nations. Sibling rivalry. (laughs) Sibling rivalry, who was a descendant of Jacob uh, and who who did so 
in a way that like would not involve them in the proud evil of the nations that they're there to judge, you know? And I was just like, Jesus is this descendant of Jacob, this descendant of David, right? Like who was so humble. Like we don't often mm. meditate on the humility of Jesus. Um, I do. I know. You're a humble man. <laughs> it's it's crazy. It's crazy how humble I am. It's great. I've I've I'm really good at meditating I on the meditate humility of Jesus. Meditate on Jesus' humility so often. <laughs> much and more than David. Much more. And uh and Jesus, instead of coming against evil nations, um, with physical action, he instead subjects himself under evil nations, right? Like he goes to the biggest, baddest empire on earth and gets killed by them, the Roman empire, mm-hmm. right? And he humbles himself and becomes obedient to the father all the way to death on a cross. Yeah. And like gets put to death by an evil empire. Um, and he, I mean, so he, he reenacts Israel's story. That's exactly right. So Israel had been crushed by Edom, an enemy nation. Yes. And so and so did the Maccabeans. Mm-hmm. Like so every, yeah, every everybody keeps every renewal crushed. movement after this one mm-hmm. ends up failing. Yes. And to everyone looking, it looked like Jesus' renewal movement failed too. That's right. He's another he's another man like Jacob, like Israel during the time of Obadiah, who rises up for a period of time, but it's crushed by a proud enemy. That's, That's right. He's reliving Israel's narrative for the last millennia. Yeah, and wasn't it Gamaliel in Acts that said, if this thing is, isn't from God, it will fail? Yeah, he did. And it's, <laughs> he like, did. <laughs> it's like, but if it succeeds, you can't stop it. Right. Uh, and so, yeah, it looked like Jesus dying on the cross. He's just another person in the line of Israel's story mm-hmm. that maybe, maybe, we, maybe we're getting crushed. by you know, like maybe we're not the snake crusher. You know, maybe we're not the bruised heel. Maybe we're the head that gets squished. Maybe God's promises aren't real, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Because how, just like we said, how could Israel dying in this way just be a bruised heel? You know, it's like Monty Python and the Holy Grail. It's like, it's just a flesh wound. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah. like, no, it's not. It's a death sentence. Jesus is hanging on a cross. He's dead. He goes to a tomb. How is this a bruised heel? How is he supposed to end mm-hmm. Satan's rule and crush the head of Caesar? Yeah. <laughs> From a tomb. I don't know. You maybe. can't do it. <laughs> you can't do it. <laughs> and like, that's the good news of the gospel is that he rises from the dead. Yeah. And in his resurrection, we learn what his crucifixion was, that his crucifixion was the death blow mm-hmm. to the serpent. Yeah. And it's the death blow of the power of a nation. So I keep just thinking, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. meditating on like, okay, let's keep, I want to keep thinking about nations and what nations threaten. The, the, the only thing nations can leverage is death. Totally. It's their biggest, it's their biggest weapon. It's a weapon of death, a weapon of mass destruction, a sword, a gun, a police force, an army, a secret service. Right. It's, it's giving out or withholding, um, uh, social care. Yes. Right. Like food stamps. Yeah. Or a social credit rating in China. You can, you can live or not live a good life depending on, yeah. uh, One child policy. Yeah. They wield death. Governments wield death. Right. So the reason why Jesus rising from the grave is actually a threat to proud nations. Takes away their biggest and only weapon. Is it because it, right. Yeah. It takes away, because I've always wondered about this. He cast down the authorities and the powers. He Uh, undid the nations. I'm like, no, he didn't. Rome was around for like hundreds of years after. Christians got fed to the lions. Like, it's not that nations crumble. Right. It's not like Edom. It's or not, Edom just stopped being a civilization. It's that the power nations wield is taken away from them. That's right, which is why Christians could be killed in Colosseums without right. fear. Yes. Because they knew that death was not the weapon that the empire thought it was. Yes. Yeah. Which is why Satan is so frustrated. <laughs> it's like, I can't do anything to him anymore. Right. I, was, I was trying to think, the worst they can do to me is kill me. Who You're said right. that? Oh, I don't know. Somebody was like, I think it was a famous Christian martyr. Yeah. And he was like in prison and like, well, how can... Why are you here? Why are you, won't you or can? He just mm. said, like, the worst they can do is kill me. Yeah, it's like what Paul says in Philippians. For me to die mm-hmm. is gain. How? Are you an idiot? You know? Yeah, it's like, that's, well, that, yeah, because death, this is no power for the Christian. Right. So Jesus 
takes away the power of the nations. Mm-hmm. And then I guess we also have to talk about the day of the Lord's judgment, final judgment against the against nations. all nations. When nations will actually fall. Yes. When one day the earth will be taken. Like Edom. Like Edom will be destroyed from its prideful nation and only one kingdom will stand. That's right. The kingdom of Jesus, which yes. probably leads us to the last, the last bit. Last Absolutely. bit of uh, yes. Obadiah, which okay. so uh, should we just read? We should, it's really yeah. It's, it's, it, I mean, it's beautiful language. You'll love it. Here we go. Do it. Uh, it 19 a, to 21, last three sarcasm? verses. Uh, yes. <laughs> I apologize for all pronunciations going forward here. Those of the Negib shall, shall possess Mount Esau, and those of Shephelah shall possess the land of the Philistines. They shall possess the land of Ephraim and the land of Samaria, just, and just, Benjamin shall possess Gilead. The exiles of this host of the people of Israel shall possess the land of the Canaanites as far as Zarephath, Zep- Zep- and the exiles of Jerusalem who are in Shepherd shall possess the cities of Negib. Got it. Right? Did you everybody get that? All you, those places. Everybody write it down. Got it. Okay. And 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 then it says this and this is the last verse of 21. Should I say it in English or should I say the first word in Hebrew? Cuz oh, I think it's I think it's Do do in Hebrew. Okay, I like it. Cuz it's Messiahs shall go up to Mount Zion to rule Mount Esau and the kingdom shall be Yahweh's. Hmm. So that's a powerful last verse. Saviors yeah. shall go up on Mount Zion to rule over Mount Esau, and, and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. And what's easy to get lost in all those names is the word possess. Yes. So those of the Negeb, which is a place in old Israel, mm-hmm. destroyed Israel, will possess Mount Esau, a place owned by Edom. Those of Shephelah, a place in Israel, shall possess the land of the Philistines. Right. Enemy nation. Those in Ephraim. Israel shall possess the lands of Samaria outside of Israel. So the, the dead places are going to possess living strongholds. Yes. Right? All the prideful nations of the world will be destroyed, allowing the people of God to inhabit places that were once full of pride and evil. That's right. And what you should be thinking, and the reason why we read this passage is to like hopefully set off alarm bells of like, hold on, I've read boring passages like this before in my Bible. Where was that? It was in Joshua. In the conquest narrative, it's like over and over and over again, you get these types of set of, of statements where uh, the, the tribe of Dan shall possess this land and the tribe of Gad shall possess this land. And what's amazing about this statement is the, the land that Israel is told that they're going to possess is beyond the boundaries that they were originally given in Joshua. They're going to possess more land than they were able to pull off even under the rule of King David. They're going to take more land when they're dead than when they were when they, they were than they were at the height of their power. Hmm. Like this is a crazy promise. He's saying the conquest of Joshua is not only going to be finished; it's going to be expanded, and Israel's land is going to be not only restored; it's going to spill out into the nations. Yeah, my land is going to cover the earth, which is why it's so significant that you have a series of failed renewal attempts in Ezra and Nehemiah, in the Maccabees, and whoever else you want to name. And Jesus comes on the scene, Luke chapter 4, repent, the kingdom of God, yes. the kingdom of the Lord is at hand. And he initiates this thing mm-hmm. that's at the end of Obadiah. The possessing that we do right now is spiritual possessing. Mm-hmm. There are spiritual strongholds of pride, wickedness and injustice that inhabit the world. Mm -hmm. And by the declaration of Jesus's gospel, by being included in his kingdom, which death cannot overcome, you can go into these enemy nations like Samaria, the Philistines, America, wherever you live, and you can see the kingdom of God come where you are. You are now a messiah. Yes. Where you live, not yeah. Careful, yeah. Everyone, yeah. everyone's thinking Whoa. we're heretics. This just means an anointed one, or like someone that God is with, someone that God chooses and loves. There's only one Messiah. There's only one Messiah. Capital and it's Jesus. M okay, Messiah guys. Jesus. But He has anointed us by His Spirit, right? To be ambassadors. To be ambassadors. To go out and do what He began. Yeah. The hope that one day the enemy lands that were all proud and overtook Israel could be over be repossessed by Israel yeah. happens in Jesus. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that begins in uh, Acts 1.8. You know, like I, I've made you, you know, my witnesses to Jerusalem and then Judea and Samaria and then the ends of the earth. Mm-hmm. And then if, you'll, if you don't mind indulging me, please, I, I feel like you've nailed it on the head when it comes to like trying to describe 
the spiritual conquest that we as Christians in, involve ourselves in with mm-hmm. the expanse of the kingdom and the Great Commission and all that. Yes. Uh, a, re- what I've, a, a story in the Bible I love that pictures that is in Acts uh, 8 with Simon the Sorcerer. Yeah. Right? And so Simon the Sorcerer, like ancient historians wrote about this guy. And he was this big deal in Samaria. Uh, which is like the northern yeah. king of Israel that was just like a hodgepodge of religious nonsense, like syncretism, and no one knew what they believed, and it was... Sorcerers just, yeah. were a big deal. Sorcerers were a big deal. This dude had statues built to him. Like, he was a big deal. Kind of like Balaam in the Old Testament. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yes, totally. Uh, but this guy's more like David Blaine, you know? Got it. No. <laughs> Got it. Not, more, not, yeah. <laughs> What's the other guy's name? Chris Angel? Chris Angel. <laughs> yeah. They had rivalries in Samaria. Got it. Uh, and so people would, would come to Simon the Sorcerer and like really like worship him and they got their spiritual guidance from this guy and he was operating and like doing miracles in the power of Satan Hmm. and like just getting into people's heads and controlling them. And Philip comes to Samaria into Samaria, preaches the gospel, just preaches the gospel. He doesn't topple statues, right? He doesn't come in with an army. He just preaches the good news of what Jesus did. Mm -hmm. And Everyone gets like freed from the spell that they're under with Simon. And even Simon himself repents and believes in Jesus. And like hmm. the whole land is cured yeah. from the satanic rule that was over it. Hmm. And it's like that kind of stuff is what happens when the gospel goes places. And like it doesn't always look like Simon the sorcerer. Right. Right. right it right. can look like a family completely hooked on Netflix mm-hmm. where they just never talk to each other. And like their entire worldview is shaped by pop culture. You know, it's like right. they're under a spell. Yeah. And the gospel wants to come in and break that. And like, mm-hmm. anyway, I was like trying no, to think of really something good. tangible. And like, no, no, it's really good. And then we as people who have been anointed by God, who can go into the nation of Netflix yeah. and break the spell, we can go into the nation of Netflix with the Holy Spirit. We can be a savior to our families mm-hmm. and to our friends. It's like, it's, 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 it's good. And we bring the kingdom. The yes. kingdom comes, the kingdom right? Comes. <laughs> that's right. Um, and so uh, I've got one final thing. Yeah. That's the last verse kind of observation. Do you have anything else that you no. want to throw in? Okay. Um, so there's this, the, again, this line, uh, saviors shall go up to Mount Zion to rule Mount Esau and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. Okay, so you have this picture of saviors, plural, messiahs, Mm -hmm. anointed people, God's chosen people will come up on Mount Zion. This is the the metaphorical location where heaven and earth meet. Uh, It's like the new garden of Eden. It's it's the high place where God's people can be with God. And they're gonna come up this mountain, sit with God, and they will rule over God all the other smaller mountains around them represented by Mount Esau. Got it. Right? So they're going to rule over all these other places. But uh, even though they're rulers, even though they're called messiahs, even though they're called saviors, it says that the kingdoms, though, isn't theirs. Mm, Right? It's the Lord's kingdom, but it's being ruled by Hmm. earthly messiahs, earthly saviors, earthly leaders, earthly Christians. Yeah. Like... uh, And it's like, this is this, one of these strange mysteries of the Bible um, that that like we will have a throne next to God's throne or that mm-hmm. we will judge angels or that we will rule with Christ or like yeah. these weird statements that are in Daniel and some of the epistles where yeah. it's just like, you're seated with Christ in the heavenly places? Christ in the heavenly places, Colossians. Okay, sure. Yeah. And it's like, this is that, oh, Obadiah 21 just has mm-hmm. this amazing what, hope in it. And I think too, like, Israel historically is an oppressed people. Okay. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. from Egypt, Assyria, Babylon. They they had a, a golden age under Solomon for a period of time. But right. generally the Jewish people have been oppressed. Mm-hmm. Um and what do oppressed people want? Oh, to rule in their favor. Right, totally. To be rightfully repre- so. To be represented in government and <laughs> rule yeah. for the sake of the good of their people. Yes. And not be ruled by the prideful whims of others. Yes. And in Christ, they get that. Mm. And, like, really, it's like you finally get to rule on behalf of your people. Right. Rule in their favor with equity and justice, mm. not the way they have been oppressed previously. Yes. And that applies for any group that's been marginalized or oppressed. One of the hopes of the gospel is that one day you will 
rule for and on behalf of your people. Mm-hmm. And you should want that. You should yeah. pray for that with Obadiah. Don't ask us what that looks like. Yeah, I we don't know. We just know it's a promise. It's, uh, the other thing I would point out here and what that quote-unquote looks like is that is this is the hyped-up, spiritualized version of what Israel was supposed to look like and what the Garden of Eden looked like. Like right. the, the Garden right, of Eden, right, right, right. Uh, Adam and Eve were described as kings and queens, and they were given the rights of kings and queens in the Garden of Eden. They were given dominion over every living thing and over all the land. What else does a king have over other than dominion over his land and his yeah. subjects? Like that's what Adam and Eve were, but they used that rule, or at least they were supposed to use that rule to mm-hmm. care for, cultivate, tend the land alongside God who was there walking with them in the cool of the day. Yeah. Right? Same thing for Israel. Mm-hmm. They were supposed to have God in their midst, in the temple, living alongside him, communing with him, worshiping with him, seeing his glory, and acting uh, yeah. in a way consistent with his character to all the nations so that the world would be blessed. Mm-hmm. That's not what it looked like. So now in the church, like what our goal is, is to have God living inside of us through the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah. Communing with him. And acting consistently with his character, tending the garden around us, like yeah. letting, uh, like ruling with him over mm-hmm. sin and the kingdom of Netflix yeah. and like taking back land. And even like just more like all of us lead. Yeah. Like Something. whether that's, yeah, like the shift or your kids or your husband or your wife, like everybody leads somebody. Yeah. Right. So like this is, and there's a calling here for us to lead as we've been saved, mm-hmm. like lead alongside Jesus. Like it's yeah, yeah. And then the ultimate good news of that last verse, though, is that the kingdom is the Lord's. Mm-hmm. That who ultimately sits on Mount Zion, like who ultimately comes and sits at the center of the universe, enthroned with all power and all dominion over every wicked and prideful nation and who rules the world with absolute equity, representing every single person with fairness, yeah. with no discrimination. It's Jesus. Yeah. He is the king who is coming. And when he comes uh, and he brings heaven to earth, as Revelation 21 describes, like he will sit in the middle of us on, quote unquote, Mount Zion, right? And he will yeah. rule over us. We also will be ruled by Christ but it will be the sweetest rule we've ever had. I always think about there's like this, uh, it's kind of like a double-edged sword because it's a really gross moment in the Avengers movies. Okay. But it's also like, it's kind of true what he's saying. Do you remember this time when Loki yeah. uh, is like stealing some artifact from Germany? Okay. And he like comes outside and police gather around and he like dons his yes. cape and everything yes, yes, and yes, he yes, tells yes. everyone to kneel and they all kneel. And he says, see, isn't this your natural state? You were made to be ruled. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, that's gross how you're talking about it. But it's right. also very true hmm. that like we were made to be ruled and to rule. Yeah. But like the good news here is that we will be ruled by Jesus one day. Mm-hmm. And it will be so good to live in his kingdom. Yeah, not a man trying to... Yes. <laughs> Not enviously trying to prove that he's better than his right. older brother but the Thor. Man, but the man who died. Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> Jacob and Esau of the Avengers. <laughs> but like, this is like the man who died for us. Our br- And like, he's called our brother. Jesus calls himself our brother, you know? Yeah. And it, we're co-heirs with our brother. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't get cut out of the blessing with Jesus. Think we get grafted that. into the covenant with Jesus. Well, think about that as good news from sibling rivalry. Yeah. Like, all of human history, all of Esau history is like you can't rule with your brother yeah you can't like you and your brother never get along it's gonna be one or the other it's one of the other as paul said in romans 9 the younger <laughs> i loved the older i hated and like that's just the way your history is gonna go always, always gonna be and i'm pretty sure if you traced back the history of most nations you would find some family members splitting or even just close friends yeah, splitting totally. over the way that the nation was meant to be ruled. Well, fine, I'll go start America. Right. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, like you have that in all of human history. And so like the sibling rivalry metastasizing out into mm. global conflicts, that's just solved because one day we'll rule with our brother. Yeah. Jesus proves it's possible. It's possible to rule with your brother and to be grafted in. It also flips the story of Jacob and Esau's near reconciliation on its head, it completes it. 
So like Jacob is about to meet his brother Esau after being away from him for years. And Esau, he thinks, is still furious with him. Yeah. And so he sends this parade of gifts in front of him to Esau right. to try to assuage him before meeting him face to face. But by the time he meets him, he realizes Esau's not mad at him anymore. Like he's got his own kingdom. He's doing good. And like Esau like kind of forgives his brother and says, you know what? You can have the birthright. It's fine. It's yours. And so they go their separate ways. Yeah. And then they rule in different territories. You know, and it's like, oh, there wasn't really resolution because then they start mm -hmm. fighting again and the numbers thing comes up with Balaam and like, yeah, it wasn't solved. It's like, oh, even from mm -hmm. like a, just a literal or a literary yeah. <laughs> biblical theological thread yeah. to tie from Genesis to Revelation, when Jesus returns to earth to rule with us as our brother, the, the, we get a resolution to the story yeah. of Jacob and Esau yeah. finally. That's just a fun little I like that. literary tie. I like that. Well. I think we've covered the bases on Obadiah. Not bad for 21 verses. For 21 verses, we're, we're, we're stretching. Pushing, pushing our Bible muscles. Stretching our Bible muscles. I don't know. Getting swole on uh, the word. Always. <laughs> That's why we, we look so great in a swimsuit. Oh. There you go. Yes. That's the and way to end the podcast. Indeed. We'll indeed. see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> what, what book are we in next, Seth? Next, we're in Amos. Okay, great. We, we skipped over Amos to do Obadiah as a quick one-off uh, because it's only this will be the only podcast yeah. you get on it. Obadiah, but we'll be in Amos next time. Okay, the social justice prophet. Let's yes. go. All right. We'll see you guys in Amos. Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel creates short films, devotionals, and podcasts like this one. Everything we make is free because of generous supporters like you. To see our resources, visit SpokenGospel.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening. See you next week.